right, greetings everyone. Welcome to season one, episode two of To Jobs That Pay The Rent. Uh, so excited that I survived podcast episode one. So now we're gonna go into episode two, which has the guest who was supposed to be on episode one, but unlike me, he has a life. So <laughs> I had to chase him down a little bit. So that's all right. So Zach Scriven, welcome. Thanks, man. Yeah, you you definitely have a life too. And, uh, you know, I was just, you know, we tried to do it, but uh, we were traveling and the connection just dropped. And so it's good now I'm at a better connection. And yeah, we could actually focus on the podcast. So it's, it's good. Well, yeah, I know. But I mean, you're you are in the middle of this amazing road trip, this amazing documentary that you're doing, which is one of the many reasons I wanted to talk to you. Um, so, but I want to start off with the the face, the LinkedIn comment that you made on someone's post, and I don't even remember whose post it was at this point, that inspired me to want to talk to you. And that's this. You said, sometimes I still feel like a fraud because I still make part of my income from coding. Mm. I want to know where did that, where was your mind at in that? You don't get the luxury of John. I made some jokes and fun with him in the beginning. I'm diving right in with you, Zach. Okay. I want to know, where was your head? Cause I mean, you have nearly 10,000 followers on LinkedIn. You do amazing videos. You're doing this amazing road trip. Where was your mind at? I mean, if you can think back to it, do you remember making that comment? Yeah. Yeah. Um, where was your mind at in that moment of feeling like a fraud when, when to the outside world, it's all success for you. Mm, I just figured, you know, to the person that saw that success on the exterior to know that even I still have my own, uh, you know, imposter syndrome or, you know, it's not as, uh, like glamorous as it looks, it's still, you know, a, a process. And so I wanted to just open that up. Um, not only just to make me feel more transparent about it, but also just to, for someone reading it be like, Oh, okay. It's not just, you know, you snap your fingers and you're influencer. Like it's, you got to grind towards it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, and you, that that comment is what inspired this whole podcast. That that comment was literally came up, generated the whole idea in my brain of sometimes you know it's great to talk to successful people. You know, we the first time we tried to have this conversation, we talked about Jordan Paris and his podcast a little bit, and all the successful people he talks to. This podcast is about sometimes you need to hear from people who are in the trenches with you. Yeah, and it's not enough to just hear from all these people who have already made it. So it's like, a, it's why I created a support group on LinkedIn for it too. So I want to go to the question, because for me, I have no experience with industrial automation or anything like that. So the question I'd asked you last time, and we tried this and I was really interested to hear more about, what does industry 4.0 actually mean? Yeah, so industry 4.0 is a term uh, that was like kind of started by the, the Germans. They really kind of brought that, um, except it's industry with IE at the end. So like it's kind of <laughs> a little bit more German, but, uh, okay. so, but basically it's the fourth industrial revolution. Um, and so it kind of makes sense to start out. All right. Well, what was the first industrial revolution? Um, it was kind of back in the late 1700s where, uh, you know, it's the first industrial revolution where we kind of went from being farmers to being, you know, running factories and these factories were powered by steam engines and uh, water mills and so that was like we were kind of mechanizing human labor um, so you know that was good that lasted about a hundred years until you know early um, you know turn of the 19th century where 
we started rolling out electricity uh, to these plants and we had the invent invention of the electric motor. Um, so that revolutionized manufacturing once again. Um, so now instead of just using a steam engine or just having to be located next to a river to get that power, now we could distribute this electricity across a grid. Uh, electric motors can now you know, be located throughout the plant rather than just one big one and gears and shafts and pulleys to run all the equipment. You just put one electric motor right where it's needed. Um, so obviously that had its own benefits. That was the second industrial revolution. The third industrial revolution happened, you know, middle of this 1900. So, you know, 50 years later, um, you know, the PC, the, uh, in, the computer computer circuits. So now it's kind of like that automation wave. So now instead of having a person sitting there pushing a start and stop button, you could have a, a little computer there uh, automating a simple process. Uh, so the fourth industrial revolution, it kind of gets a little bit uh, weird. <laughs> It's a little bit more abstract, uh, but basically what it is, is I think it's really powered by the internet. And so there's a whole host of technologies that are all kind of coming together at once. And that is kind of industry 4.0, um, machine learning, AI, uh, the internet of things, IOT, uh, industrial internet of things, IIOT, which is, is basically the same thing, but you know, kind of instead of, you know, Google home, it's, uh, you know, running on your plant floor and, you know, collecting data from machines, sending it up to the cloud, machine learning algorithms are analyzing it, right? So, so it's just, it's just the whole shift of the way that things are being done. And it's, it's kind of more abstract. It's more of a concept. It's, it's kind of like a paradigm shift, but, uh, you know, that is really industry 4.0 and everyone is at a different stage in that process of shifting from you know, how they were doing things to how they're going to. And so it's really exciting time to be able to, you know, learn from these manufacturers, different manufacturers, different industries, oil and gas, water, wastewater treatment, um, you know, hydroelectric power, manufacturing, like the, all of these industries are affected by this. So it's a good thing because at the end of the day, now humans can kind of go more into creative jobs, better jobs, uh, and computers can really do what they're best at, machine learning and AI, and we can be more creative, um, like in sales, marketing, content creation type jobs or creative jobs, so. So for people like me who know nothing about industrial manufacturing and have basically no idea what you just said, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, give me an example, because obviously, you know, there's a lot of conversation about, you know, machine learning and AI replacing jobs. But the, I want to go back to the specific example you cited of taking data off the manufacturing floor, sending it into the cloud and having machine learning analyze it. What is a, a direct benefit that a manufacturer gets out of that? Yeah. So there could be, um, I guess, room for improvement. I mean, there's always room for improvement. Um, and Like what and kind of thing would be improved? Yeah. So let's say, um, let's take a... a like let's say you have a uh, your Coca-Cola and you have a bottling line and you're able to, you know, you bought it from a, a supplier that, you know, builds bottling machines. Like Coca-Cola maybe doesn't build them themselves. They, they have their suppliers. They buy it. Right. And it's ready to produce a thousand bottles per minute. And you're running it, you know, and, um, you know, if you weren't tracking it at all, you would just be like, all right, I'm cranking it up to full speed and it, it is what it is, right? Like, but maybe you're only getting 900 bottles per minute, you know? 
um, or maybe throughout the day, your machine is stopping like five minutes every hour or so because because the machine, uh, you know, it's it ran out of bottles. Like the 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 filler that fills the bottles, like you know, or like it just uh, you know, it's unplanned downtime, right? You you want this machine running twenty four seven, ideally, right? But if it's only running half the time throughout the day. Well, why why is it stopping? Let's try to figure out what those reasons are. And there's a lot of software. Uh, you know, it started with a clipboard and spreadsheet, right? So, or just an operator might have an intuition. You know, like, oh, okay, you know, I think most of the time that it's down, it's because uh, this machine, you know, uh, the the motor overheated or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of more qualitative, right? We want to have hard data and evidence. Um, and humans can look over that data, and they might be able to do something with it, but a machine can analyze a lot more data than a human can. So, like, maybe a human can look at a couple different values on a chart and kind of see some relationships, whereas a machine learning algorithm could analyze thousands of data points, and not just from one plant that Coca-Cola owns, but across all plants. So in order to make that com- comparison across all your plants, you need to have it in a central place where you can analyze it um i hope i didn't get too deep right there but no yeah, that's basically actually, it. actually for all my listeners out there that 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 eight minutes or so you just listened to was me confirming that zach knows what the hell he's talking about so <laughs> there you go confirmation received uh, <laughs> but you know uh in all seriousness zach i i like from looking at what you do from the outside i have trouble imagining like i can't even like i i know the value of video for what i do i know the value of video for things like content marketers and like uh, in fields where it's really obvious that video mm-hmm. is useful how did you i mean you had background in in in, in this in, in industrial work and in, in coding and stuff like that but how did you walk this path of discovering that you could use video to enhance the business of this thing that like like from a layman on the outside, I couldn't even imagine that how video would apply. How did you come to that conclusion that you could make a difference that way? Uh, very interesting. Um, <clears throat> okay, so yeah, you're asking really good I'm, questions. I'm, I'm going all Barbara Walters on you right now, Zach. This is not going to be an easy interview. No, so, um, so video, it allows uh, communication to uh, occur more quickly. Uh, it's much a higher bandwidth than like, let's say text or, you know, even before text and the printing press, I mean, you'd basically have to walk to your neighboring city to be able to say, Hey, you know, I'm farming it this way and I got like twice as many crops. So you guys should try this out. You know, next thing year goes by before anyone actually implements it with video. I could just go live. I could just record a video, post it out and it could be shared around the entire world in seconds. So if you imagine what that could do for the rate of change of this technology to adopt. So that's really where the power, that's like, that's the secret sauce is right there. That's where the value comes from is that being able to spread messages more quickly um, so they can iterate faster. And ideally it's not just me, it's everyone else, like more people in my industry um so i was kind of being i'm trying to be like the catalyst to get more people to, mm-hmm. to do what i'm doing in in that industry because it's kind of been 
more so dominated by the consumer tech. Like video has kind of been seemed like a lot of consumer tech content creators like iPhone, you know, reviewers or MKBHD, but there hasn't really been that interesting content or, you know, there's video content, but maybe it's from like a, a company and it's, it's just kind of just specs and features. It's not really engaging. Right. It's so, one of the, it's one of those videos you'd see on a manufacturer's website or a, a like a, uh, the uh, the company that builds the assembly machine, like I've seen some of those, those like the company that builds the assembly machine, and they give you this great list of features by this guy mm -hmm. who talks in a monotone and says <laughs> nothing interesting and sounds yeah. like he's reading off a sheet of paper. That that kind of thing, and you're changing, yeah. you're changing, you're changing up that game. Okay, fair enough. So I'm like, why not take what Casey Neistat is doing and kind of apply it to this industry that's kind of been a little bit lackluster? And it's not just me. There are more people getting on board. Some maybe I had a part in influencing, but uh, I think generally things are heading that way and they would have gone that way anyways, but hopefully I can make it get there a little bit faster. And, and that's kind of where I saw the value. So I love, I love that because what you're doing is so similar to what so many people who are going to be listening to this conversation do. They have done something for so long in their career and they see a better way to do it, or they see a more interactive way to do it, or they see some other way to improve it. Now, here's the next big question that people are gonna wanna know, Zach. How did you make the decision that rather than trying to do it inside the structure of your existing job or inside the structure of a company that you worked for, you were going to found Zach's Guru Media and you were gonna do it yourself? Mm. I got really lucky because I, uh, so I kind of maybe need to take a little bit step back to kind of explain my story a little bit. So my parents were in this field. They had their own home-based business doing system integration. So like, you know, programming these microcomputers and, um, and basically connecting those machines to a screen that an operator can control. That's kind of mm -hmm. what, what they did primarily in water. So that's how I got into the industry. And so I worked for their company. Um, eventually I took over their company. I bought it from my mom and ran that for a few years by myself. Um, and when I actually found out I was having a daughter, I was like, hey, let me, let me take this company and, you know, cause it takes a lot of time. Income is very inconsistent. Let me look, get a job doing what I already am doing, but you know, for another firm. And then that way I can actually, instead of doing like payroll and taxes and all this stuff, I could just focus on engineering for eight, eight, nine hours a day and then actually be home for my daughter. And that worked really well uh, for about a year and a half before I got kind of like uh, unhappy with my growth. Like I was kind of, I felt like I was kind of stagnating. I wasn't really kind of being moved up within the company. And so I just was like, all right, well, let me go, let me try to go find another, another company, you know, like a higher, more senior position, more responsibilities, more pay. Uh, ideally, you know, in my mind would equal more happy, you know, but, uh, it ended up being, I, so I did make that move and I ended up being a company that I went to go work for that was like a, just not a good fit. And so had I stayed, had I not made that leap, had I stayed at the first company, like it was a good company. I wasn't, you know, the pay wasn't terrible. Like it was just a little bit lower than what I wanted. So, um, you know, 
advice to that company is like, maybe if you had given me just, you know, an extra five or $10,000, then I probably would have still been there, you know? Oh my God, Zach, the, the comparisons between our stories are getting a little scary here. All right, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, continue. No, no, it's, it's cool. So, so yeah, I was just like, oh, you know what? You know, if I stayed at that one company, the, the first company I went to after my, after I left my parents' company, you know, I probably would have just stayed there and retired there. You know, that just would have been the arc of my career and that would have been kind of boring. But it was like good enough that it, I probably would have been happy. But luckily I wasn't. So I went to go another okay. job. Wait, wait, wait. I need to stop you right there. I want, I want everybody to, to remember what you just said. Zach just said, luckily I was unhappy. Luckily I was unhappy. That's a huge mm. thing right there that he just said. That is a huge agent for change on an individual level is unhappiness. And that's what drove, that's part of what drove you to do what you're doing. Yeah. And you're being really, really successful with it is being unhappy in an existing situation. So he's now, I don't know how you felt about it while you were in that job, but now you're glad that you were unhappy about it because yeah. it triggered this huge change for you. Yeah. It pushed me into a, another job and I was only there for about eight months before I finally just you know, I was really, really unhappy there. You know, before I was just kind of like, I, I want to make, make a little more money, have a little more responsibility. I got that, but then the culture really wasn't a fit. They were not innovative and all my ideas were just kind of being shot down. So I was like really unhappy there. And at that same time, that's when LinkedIn video first started coming out. And it's kind of where I saw getting a lot of traction on my videos. And so I was like, Hey, this is, there's something here. I, I think I should kind of pay attention to this. And so I started doing more videos, knowing that like the job I was in was like not going to last very long. I wanted to do something about it. I was like, well, let me try to put a little more effort into this video stuff. I read Gary Vee's book, Crushing It. And that really opened my mind up to being able to connect the dots of how I could take my passion for video, my career experience, and just kind of, you know, crush it, so to speak. Yeah. And, and you're doing it. Three or four months later, that's when I, I actually, I didn't even really intend on quitting, but I went to talk to my boss and I was basically just trying to level with him saying, Hey, you know, I'm really unhappy. Uh, I, I'm not, I feel like I'm not being productive and I'm feeling guilty about it. Like, is there anything that we can do? And he basically just took it zero to 100 real quick. He was like, you could either quit or you could just suck it up and accept things the way they are. Did you quit uh, in that conversation or did, did you have to follow it, it, it took over? a few, it took a few minutes. It took a few minutes because okay, a few minutes. So we're not talking like days or weeks, like minutes later, you made that decision. Yeah. And, and I had talked to Mary beforehand. And so I kind of had a for, hunch for, that for, the, for those of you who don't know you, Mary is Mary is my fiance. Okay. Yeah. She's my partner and we have a, a daughter through uh, who's three. And so she was one at the time. So it's just like, you know, I can't just quit without telling her or, you know, so I did talk to her uh, prior to having this conversation with my boss. And so, and I did have some opportunities from some other uh, like end users that would, would want to be doing like some freelance programming. Um, so I was like, okay, well, even if I do quit, I still have something to do. Right. Um, so I got the blessing first. So I went and had the conversation. I didn't expect it to go that like, well, I guess, or bad. However you look at it. <laughs> Um, that's, the, that's the quintessential optimist, Zach, how well it went. I'm glad that well came out of your mouth before bad. Yeah. It just surprised me, you know, because I thought, you know, in my mind, I'm like, hey, you know, maybe I put in two weeks or maybe I, 
that that actually wouldn't have been my first idea. I would have like finished the project I was on, which would have taken maybe the rest of the year, you know, um, or maybe train my replacement two months or there's this infinite array of possibilities. And so in my mind, I was just getting decision paralysis. So he literally had to break it down into binary terms for me. He's like, it's either a zero or a one. You either quit today or you stay and accept things the way they are. And I was like, all right, like, I guess it's a zero then. And so he just went and got my last check and I just left. And it was like, it was kind of shocking, but it was very much relieving at the same time too. That, that's incredible. That's incredible. So, you know, obviously family is very important to you. You mentioned your daughter as the catalyst for the decision to look for that position that had the higher salary so you could support your family better. How has what you do now, obviously you're on this road trip, you have your family with you, which is so yep. cool. So cool. Yeah, Hopefully so we're going to get this. Aw, <laughs> I thought I heard her in the background. I was hoping we would, I would, I, I'm hoping that they'll have some spot in the documentary that you're working on. Cause that's going to be a, that's going to be a whole separate finished product when you're done with the trip. Right? Yeah. So yeah, the, the documentary is going to be a, you know, feature length film and it's, it's going to include, it's going to include them, um, Sparingly, I'll say. Um, right. My, my fiance Mary, being very much against social media, she's very much opposite of me, mm -hmm. and so I have to balance that, like her her wishes, with also like you know it's my creation too. So, mm -hmm. and it is part of, like you said, it's part of the whole journey. It's part of the process. So, there will be times like where, you know, I'm showing her like the Jelly Belly factory, and so she'll be on camera there, like just her raw excitement. I think is really important to capture because I think that's inspiring. Um, you know, it's not like just, you know, me trying to use my daughter to get clicks. It's, it's about showing that, uh, I guess that excitement, you know, she, Zoe watches how it's made with me sometimes. And so to go actually to the jelly belly factory where they gave us a tour and I was doing film, like, you know, just to show her, you know, it was yeah. really cool. Well, and that's, that's a great thing. It's, it's, you, you've kind of empowered yourself to put your your daughter in a better position to be educated on what you do. You know, she's not yeah. learning just from you observing. Oh, apparently she wants to partake in the interview. I can hear her. Did she? <laughs> yes, she came over here. Yeah. She's like, she's like, she's like, daddy's talking to somebody. I want to see what's going on. That's awesome. Um, but where were there? Were there any real big rut? Like after you you made that. Well, I guess your boss made the decision for you that you were quitting. Um, what has been, from a family perspective, the greatest struggle and the greatest triumph as you've, between that day and today, this road trip that you're on right now? Maybe we should start with triumph. Let's let's start, start always start on a positive note. What's the biggest yeah. triumph from a family perspective? Have you gotten more time with your family like you wanted because i know yeah, you've talked I about have. it a little bit because you talked about uh in a video a couple days ago you talked about how important it was for you to bring your family with you because you wanted to have more time with them has that dream come true for you to get more time with yeah. them as you do make I, I would say so i would say the biggest triumph i mean this road trip is is really it's kind of just something that it's like this dream oh it'd be really cool to drive across the country one day and bring the family or, or just I mean, essentially taking a vacation for a month. You know, I really did need some time off. And so that's also kind of a motivation behind the road trip. It's like, you know, I've been working a lot, haven't really been doing any type of fun things, you know, maybe a small weekend getaway with the family, but you know, it's like, 
I wanted to take this road trip and I wouldn't have been able to do that with my previous job. Having only two weeks of vacation a year, having to work in the office every day. So it's just like, this alone is worth it. Um, actually, the very first weekend, this was actually part of what catalyzed the uh, the uh, me to quit was my uh, Mary, uh, her, her mom's from the Philippines. And so she was actually, she lives here in the States. Uh, she was working on a green card, um, you know, but she actually got her citizenship. And so she was going to oh, wow. be naturalized as a citizen like that weekend on like a Friday though. So I was like wanting to be there, but I was like out of vacation or something. So I was like, well, you know, uh, like, this this particular company is really kind of not open to stuff like that. But my the previous company I was at before that, even though the pay was less, they would be like, "Hey, yeah, Zach, go there, just work remotely for the day, and um, you know, then it'll be it all be good. Like you don't want to miss that." But they were literally gonna like just I was just not gonna be able to go. But because I quit that same very weekend, I was able to be there for Mary, for my mother in law, who I call mom. Um, for her to be, you know, accepted into the United States as a citizen. And that was really cool. And so, like, I felt like that very first weekend, it was already a win, you know? Right. Well, and here's the thing. I want to go back to something you said just a couple, like, just a little bit ago. You said, you said it was time for you to take a vacation. That's what the road trip was about. Zach, I don't think there's anyone who has watched your videos since you left home who thinks that you're actually on a vacation right now. <laughs> so that is such a critical element that I want listeners to catch from what you just said. If you're doing what you love, it doesn't feel like work. Because yeah. Zach gets to spend time with his family, travel the country. And really, you're, Zach, you're not really tra crossing the country. You're crossing the country twice. Because yeah, you're going yeah. all the way from, because you're going all the way to New Jersey, right? Which is where LinkedIn Global is at, right? Yep. And yep. then you're coming all the way back because I know damn well you're going to be in Vegas on the 30th, I think, is the yep. date. Yep. So I know damn well you're going to come back too. So really you're crossing the country twice, not once. But that's that's something that I think is really important from what you just said is although you're, you're clearly busting your ass, Zach, I mean, we see video after video after video. I, you know, I, I heard so many great things about the uh, events in Milwaukee. The pictures that Amy took were amazing. I fo started following yeah. her because of those pictures. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. I, I wanted, I've been wanting to like get all these contents out, but like, you know, that day in Milwaukee, I, I did four interviews. And so this weekend, you know, today's Sunday, the day of recording, I kind of took a break, you know, I'm going to get, get steaming back up to go like this next week, but you know, today's the 15th. So we're about halfway into the road trip. And yeah, I was going strong for the first two weeks. I took the last like day off. So I was just like, all right. Oh my God, Zach, how dare you take a day <laughs> off? Oh my God. No, but seriously, that's, that's such a great thing. Okay. So now we've got to flip that coin because we've got to examine, you know, this is all about examining everything from every angle. What's been the biggest challenge from a family perspective? since you started going out on your own since since that day you quit or got mm -hmm. fired i guess depending on how you look at it um i'm sure they put it down as you quitting but how, how has what's been the biggest family challenge since then um yeah managing uh like when work stops and when work doesn't stop and why do i have a feeling mary's the type of young lady who probably makes sure that that happens yeah yeah she'll <laughs> Like, you know, yesterday I didn't even really bring, I, I just, I guess I did do some videos, but it was just with my phone. Like I didn't bring the, the, the mirrorless camera, um, 
because you know mary and zoe we went out to millennium park and zoe's like playing in the water in the fountain and like i wanted to be more present you know i wasn't on linkedin all day yesterday um but that was something i had to like learn and work hard at because especially when i was first starting it was like all right well i need to make videos i need to engage with my community um on top of doing programming work too so like you know i might have been working 10 11 hours a day but you know it's at home so it's like it doesn't it's it's hard to know like all right well i, I don't know you know what i'm saying it's like that line doesn't isn't as clear when you're well, working right, from because, home and working because, for yourself right because here's the thing and i think this is this is a great point zach there's nobody else there's nobody to give you the line anymore yeah. Once you go on your own, you're the person who has to make that line. Or in some cases, I'm sure Mary is making it for you. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but, and that's another thing. And like, I'm terrible at that. Like, I'm, I do not want to tell you how many times I have responded to a LinkedIn post while behind the wheel driving to an Uber pickup, not, never with a passenger in the car, but, you know, like trying to, to engage on LinkedIn, but make enough money to pay my bills. But make sure that I have time with my friends and I don't go completely batshit crazy because all I do is work all the time. It's this crazy, and that's that's I I think that's a really great point to for everybody to focus on is you have to make time to set those boundaries. Like you are lucky, dare I say, you have you have two people very very close to you who make sure that you have those boundaries. Me, yeah. that might be why I struggle with it a little bit more because I'm single by myself. So it's a little bit more easy for me to not have those boundaries right now, but it's a good position to be in because I can just dedicate everything to it. But so, so you, so you think that's probably the biggest struggle has been kind of establishing your own boundaries for what's work time and what's family time. Yeah. 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 And, and, and cause it is like, like I said, cause I, I'm, I am there. Right. So like, I will maybe like go into the house, I'll make some food and you know, I'll be, usually it'll be like playing in the living room. So like I'm there, but am I really, if I'm pulling my phone out every, you know, 60 mm -hmm. seconds, you know? So, um, again, I'm working on, I'm working on that, trying to have like that golden hour before Zoe goes to bed, uh, trying to, you know, just, just pre treasure those moments. Cause now she's already three. So it's like, she, she's going to be, you know, she's going to be, a, you know, gone one day, like doing her own thing. So um you know it's part of my responsibility and that's also why i wanted to document and share part of the journey with my family is because if you looked at my position you know i was making six figures but i was also like spending six figures because i lived in southern cal i live in southern california so it's like uh -huh. you know rent is not cheap and all this stuff right so it's like my family was very dependent upon me for that income so I could have used that as an excuse not to be the best version of myself and then just to like settle and and ultimately kind of been unhappy and not really my true self for them. And so now I wanted to use that as an example, like even though you have a lot of bills to pay, not, not a whole lot of savings, um, mind you, I didn't have any debt, but I didn't have a whole lot of savings either, maybe a month or two. So... Um, so yeah, so I was just like, you know, even though I have a one-year-old, even though I don't, you know, have like a golden spoon in my mouth, I could still make this transition and help others that feel trapped in that same position to follow their um, passion and not foolishly. And, you know, don't just quit your job today. Like definitely think about it and all this kind or, of stuff. Or get right? fired or get fired in some of our <laughs> cases. Yeah. In some of our so cases. So you, you got, you got fired? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, uh, the way I describe it to people is I took the Titanic and tried to turn it like it was a Ferrari and it did not go well for me. Uh, you know, it was a company that had, had been around for 17 years. Most of the members of the executive team had been there since the beginning. They were very resistant to change. I was a decade younger than most of them. And they brought me in thinking they wanted change. And then they realized what that meant. And they were like, Oh hell no. Oh, hell no. Mm. And actually, uh, Patty Jones is a uh, someone that I actually uh, saw do a, a, a presentation on change management. And her and I had a conversation, kind of an interview for an article after that. And we talked about how we tried, like me and this company tried to come together to find the right change. And because of what happened, we probably ricocheted away from each other. Like they're gonna be more resistant to change than they were before they met me. And now I won't tolerate anything but change, which mm. is why I've become such such as crazy, crazy force. If you watch my videos on LinkedIn, like I talk about some crazy random shit. So, um, so another thing, Zach, kind of like a last point I want to touch on, cause you, we've talked about so much you are, and I'm, I'm, I'm pulling out the calculator people. So that's why there's a pause right now. So you are 377 people short of a major milestone which is 10,000 mm. followers on LinkedIn. Yeah. How does it feel knowing that you have positively influenced nearly 10,000 people? So much so that when they log into social media every day, you are someone they want to see. How does that make you feel? Ah, <laughs> uh, that makes, um... That makes Put me it in perspective happy. a little, right? Yeah, yeah. It makes me feel like now I have more responsibility too, you know. Before I could, you know, like follow my passion, but, you know, really maybe more in a selfish way. Now I, I can't. I have to show up for them, you know. Like they're depending on me for that, that information and for that inspiration, you know. So I have to... I, like I owe it to them, you know, I, and it's not just them. I really do feel like we owe our best self to the world, you know, our family first, but really to the world is, uh, is where we want to leave our mark, you know? And so I saw LinkedIn as, as the way for me to, to amplify that. And, and yeah, it's, it's been working, but it's, it's, it's been a long journey. You know, it's like, if you had a, I couldn't really point to a point in time where it, it, uh, it you know went viral or something like it just has been a long slow and steady uh journey over the last year and, and a couple months oh yeah and that, that's a big thing for people to realize that 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 9623 followers was not overnight like i imagine i was, it's much... I was just over a thousand when i start when i quit and it and how long ago was that it was may of 2018 so uh so 14, year and a half. Or no, 16 months ago, yeah. 16 so 16 years, months yeah. ago. So 9,623, you said you were at about 1,400? Mm -hmm. Oh, God, I'm, I'm really breaking out the calculator on this episode, folks. I'm sorry. You're going to have to deal with it for a second. <laughs> so 8,223 grown in 16 months. So that's 513. That's not bad. That's 513 followers a month. You break that down by 30 days. So about 17 followers a day. That's not bad. Zach, that's pretty freaking solid. 17 followers every day for the last 16 months. Now, obviously, it didn't happen like that. It, it scales. Yeah. You know, it scales because followers are something that are exponential. But, Zach, I love that. My only fear if for you is I don't 
don't ever lose that. I love that you put, you're, you're like me in that regard. You put the weight of the world on your shoulders and you're like, I want to do right for everybody. But I would say just as a piece of advice, which feel free to ignore because lots of people ignore my advice. Oh, but you are so great at what you do. But clearly from this conversation, it's your family that inspires you. Oh no, you. I lost you. Uh-oh. Where'd you go? Paul. We're like the Jonas Brothers. We're going to break up and then get back together again. Okay, I was like, okay. There we go. go. All right, we're back. Thank, hopefully Christy can edit that, that little hiccup out there. So I'll repeat what I was going to say. Um, my piece of advice to you, Zach, is clearly from this conversation, your family is the thing that's most important to you. Don't let all of us who admire you add too much weight to those shoulders. Okay. Because, yeah. you know, cause that's, that's my fear too, is I like, I, I love engaging and I love talking, but you know, clearly you've made the, the decision. Your family comes first. Don't ever let us please. As one of the people who admires you, the hell out of you, please don't ever let us take away from that ever. Thanks man. I appreciate it. So anyways, that has been our interview with Zach. Um, you, I hope that you, if you are listening to this, will be one of the 377 that gets him to the 10,000 mark because he absolutely deserves it and so much more. Um, you know, there are so many people on LinkedIn that I talked to and literally I did a post yesterday about someone who I admired, past tense, and after having to try and have a couple conversations with them and realizing that they're a total stuck up jerk who has nothing to do but help themselves, um, I realized there are people on LinkedIn who are not worth my time and attention. But Zach, you are definitely one of them. I'm grateful Thanks, for you. That means a lot because I'm always afraid of that because, you know, now like a thousand was easier to, to attend to than 10,000. So, you know, I really do appreciate that even though it took, you know, a couple of times to coordinate this, that you still feel that way. So that, um, that means a lot, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing it, it is the fact that you spend so much time trying to help others. Cause that's, see, I come at it from the other angle Zach. I think that when I approach you, I'm worried about trying to like that I'm being too selfish and I'm taking, trying to take up too much of your time. So it's this delicate balance. And that's the thing I would encourage people. You know, I did a, a tip about influencers being accessible and it's true for some of them. Zach is one of them. There are people out there the the folks who do like the 10 tips, 10 days, or the group that did the me before 2020 challenge, those folks who do challenges, those are people that embrace helping as many people as possible. You are on that list as well. I can't wait to see what your first challenge is. It's going to be interesting. I'm sure it's going to have something to do with video, but you and some people are going to collaborate and I see you coming up with a challenge for the rest of LinkedIn at some point. But okay. but yeah, there are definitely people out there who don't who who do just clearly are not out for anybody but themselves. You are not that person, Zach. And I like I said, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for this interview. It was definitely Thank worth you, the wait. Um so um as before, as normal, for those of you who are listening to, who listened to episode one, there will be a short commercial break. Like I said, need some revenue here, you know, got to pay those bills. And then there'll be an update about techies uh, and what we've done in the last seven days as a company to kind of start accelerating. Um, and I will be talking to you about someone awesome named Shauna Davis, who I met on LinkedIn as well. And uh, that will be the end of episode two. So Zach, thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks, Paul. All thank right. you, audience. Peace out. Later. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to another Techies update for this week. Uh, it's been kind of an amazing week. Um, got introduced to uh, a young lady who runs a, a 
HR consulting firm out of California, Shauna Davis, and she's getting me in contact with some clients, potential clients this week who are in dire need of some cybersecurity services to keep them safe, which is awesome. Also, during a lift ride this week, ran into a passenger who runs a nonprofit that was interested in running a test campaign against his staff just to make sure that they are following his input on keeping themselves safe and not giving away passwords on, on emails that are fake. Um, starting up a new um, video uh, campaign, uh, or not video campaign, photo campaign for Instagram and Twitter. Uh, just problems your CIO can solve for you, business problems that your CIO can solve for you, which is awesome. And also working on a um, potential vlog, um, thanks to CN Jones. So that's awesome too. I am so excited. So, so, so excited about the things that are happening for techies right now. It feels like the energy is building, the momentum is building. I hope the energy and momentum are building for you too this week. If I can do anything to help, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, please reach out. Please join the support group on LinkedIn. I would love the opportunity to help you get your momentum building too. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great, great, great rest of your week.